Hey guys, before we get started with this episode, I have a quick favor to ask of you guys. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. It means a lot. We read out five-star reviews on the show all the time. So if you want a free shout-out, go ahead and do that. Also, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show to stay in touch with us. Fill out our prediction game polls to compete with us. It's a lot of fun. Go ahead and do that. Links down below. Thank you, and uh, yeah, enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode. As always, my name is AJ Tabura, a fan of West Ham United, Minnesota United, the U.S. national teams. And for this episode, well, I guess always, but especially for this episode, a fan of Minneapolis City. And as always, I'm joined with Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Uh, well, I had a bit of a, a problem with an exam that I was taking <laughs> online, but I'm excited to be talking about soccer. As right. always, I'm a fan of Chelsea, Minnesota United, Minneapolis City, Atalanta, and the French and U.S. national teams. And you know what? What makes me so excited about this episode? Jack, what is it? You tell me. Well, it's that we get to move the lower league lowdown up to the very top because we have some big news here and we have a special guest here to talk about some exciting lower league news that both you and I are very excited about. We have the co-founder and sporting director of Minneapolis City SC, John Bisworm, here to talk with us about Minneapolis City's move to USL League Two. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, yeah. we're excited to talk about the move here uh, to from NPSL to USL League Two. Absolutely. Well, technically, uh, staying in NPSL, but right, adding, right. adding USL2 as a programming option for, for our players. Uh, I get, well, we'll classify it as that. All right. Well, let's get started because this is such an exciting move. You guys just announced that this past Thursday. Uh, so Minneapolis City, uh, you know, adding on uh, to the leagues that they're a part of to USL League 2, pretty big move. Can you walk us through exactly what the process was? To come to that decision, I know you, you, you. This is obviously a very supporters-driven club, so you had a lot of members vote for the move. So, can you let us know how that process actually went, how it started rolling, and what the actual details of uh, the move are? Sure, absolutely. So, essentially, how we we do things around city headquarters is we we have so many ideas that we throw we throw at the wall, and right. uh, and some of them stick, and some of them slide off. Uh, so, you know, a move like this is something that we've we've talked about, um, you know, for for a little bit, a, a little bit of time. And it, it was just, you know, finding that calculated time to 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 move forward with certain decisions that we make. And, and right now it seemed as if, you know, from a competitive standpoint on the field and from a, a league structure standpoint, that this is something that was, was, was the right time. You know, we're, we're coming off the heels of, of winning our third straight MPSL North title, you know, obviously for, for folks that follow us, the playoffs weren't exactly what we, we wanted this year, but we, we made the furthest run we've ever in the playoffs. So then we were, we were talking about, you know, 
what's what's next and and this is the decision that that, that came up you know 1a was you know how do we level up from an on-field competitive standpoint you know the the mpsl has been great to us the upsl has been great to us you know still sticking a team in in mpsl still working out what we want to do with the with the upsl but you know when you historically look at the landscape of non-professional soccer we'll call it in the united states mm -hmm. um, the old pdl and the usl now usl2 is really kind of the apex from a competitive standpoint so as, as far as like the the process to answer the last part of your question you know it it was a pretty lengthy negotiation process to understand you know how does this fit in with you know what we currently do you know a lot of people have tossed out you know intellectual property rights and you know and being more of a, a franchise model and kind of losing that luster that we had the luxury we had to be us in in the mpsl and the upsl but you know through the conversations with usl2 you know there was a mutual desire to work together and and they're allowing us to be us you know we're still allowed to keep you know within certain confines you know keep our 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 identity and we're still allowed to be a 501c3 member run structure and nice. you know everything else is you know will just fall into place and you know there there's lots of minneapolis city voices on podcasts for for this decision um you know in the you know coming out this week last week etc and you know what we what we said is you know it, every league at, at this level is the same it's franchise it's it's franchise fees um it's it's minimum league standards um you know it, it, it's all the same it's just a matter of the, the competitive level on the field yeah well uh about that competitive level then so what makes playing in usl league two such a great opportunity for the club the players uh you know versus other leagues that you know potentially minneapolis city could have moved to well, if you think about if you if you boil it back down to the, the core of it, um, 90 percent, maybe maybe 80 percent, uh, if I'm being conservative of players at our level are college players. You know, we have a mm -hmm. little bit of an outlier. Um, Cleveland, who we fell to in the playoffs, is, is, is similar where you do have some of that older guard um, that, that you can you can roll out there. But at the USL two level, it's it's pretty much the the top half of all you know three ncaa divisions in naia um mm -hmm. the, the, you know I, I i can be confident in saying it, it's probably some of the best players at those levels um you know and and we look at the at the player pool that we have you know still keeping the minnesota focus um we have a ton of really good talent that is currently uh in in our program but also that has left us because the college coaches look at the usl2 as that 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 top end so we're seeing some players you know, Rory O'Driscoll is a great example. You know, he's tearing things up in New Hampshire and he was with us um, in our U23 year two years ago or three years ago. I, I forget about the COVID year, but, you know, last year he he went and, and played in North Carolina in the in the USL, too. You know, we lose a player like that. Um, you know, we've lost uh, our captain, Max Seward, Ian Smith, Samuel Release Plaza. Um, the, there is a long list of players that have gone to USL, too, um, or the PDL for that that specific reason. And and now we're looking at the, the potential where we can get those guys back, you know, maybe because their their college coaches were renting from their college coaches. So if they make that decision they have to go there right um but now we have that option at home and i i know there's a draw for for the 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 division one um and the, and the high level talent that left us to come back and join us again wow that, that's really interesting this seems like a really great move competitively especially because we are 
likely to go to uh, a conference that has currently the reigning champions of USL League 2, the Des Moines Menace. Yeah. But going off towards the plan for the NPSL and UPSL teams, right? Are, is there any plan in place to potentially move the two teams, the future teams up a level or like what is the general plan uh, with those other leagues? Well, the plan is to look at it like a premiership model where you, you kind of, you know, the premiership has their league. Then there's the Carabao Cup. Then there's the, you know, the Champions League. There's the FA Cup. We're looking at it kind of as that model where we're, where um we'll have that base of players and, and we'll, we'll drop the the two off of Minneapolis city two, and we'll have one Minneapolis city. So that larger player pool that can compete in multiple competitions, we're not really thinking about it as a league. We're thinking about it as a competition. Um, right. we'll, ha- we'll have those multiple competitions where the UPSL follows in. And, and we still haven't quite fully baked that out yet is, is that an opportunity for us to maybe have two facets to our futures program keeping the same model that we had where we had the you know the supplemental once a week training and the 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 following week was the 7v7 model um that worked and it, it absolutely worked and we were so happy to see it work in its first year but we did have 11 aside friendlies uh, for that team maybe this is an opportunity to, to to drop the friendly off of that and have them in their own competition but it's going to be a little bit tricky though because you look at it it is a supplemental model. Guys are playing in the regionals with their club teams. Um, you know, we don't want to ever get in the way of that, but maybe there's a way to make that work. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the community response because there, there's been a lot of positive outpouring support, uh, but there have also been some people criticizing Minneapolis city for making this move because they think it goes against the club's vision of straying away from you know, grassroots or uncorporate soccer. So what do you say to those people who are a little skeptical of this move to, uh, you know, quell those fears? (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, honestly, people are going to have their own opinion. And I think one thing that we've done really well as an organization is, is we do things our way. Um, you know, whether it's it's what we look like on the field with our jerseys or how uh, our voice and our tone. Uh, but we're very calculated in what we do. And it doesn't make everybody happy. You can't make everybody happy. So, you know, people can have their opinion. But when we look at it, it 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 offers this decision offers us a lot of positives. And we're not really conceding a whole lot from the, from what people think we are. Uh, in order to make this move, you know, there are rules we have to follow, like in any, any league, but we're still going to be Minneapolis city. You know, we're still gonna, (laughs) we're still gonna say things we say and do things we do. And, uh, and it'll, it'll ultimately ruffle some feathers, uh, like it, like it has, Um, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it's just about what happens on the field. Right. And, you know, we talked about that competitive piece and, and it's no disrespect to teams in the, in the MPSL. Like, you know, you look at Denton Diablos, I would have loved to get a piece of those guys and they won the, they won the, the, the title this year and, you know, Tulsa athletic, same thing, you know, those teams are, are great. But when you look at it, you talked about um, AJ, you talked about the Des Moines menace. I mean, that is like, like the gold standard of, of non-professional soccer for decades. Mm-hmm. You look at, um, you know, FC United in Chicago, um, uh, the champion, I think three years ago, um, you look at Green Bay and what they're doing and, you know, Thunder Bay. I mean, this, this conference is loaded with just really great teams and why not want to stack yourself up against that and see how you can, you can perform against it. So, you know, to to answer your question, Jack, 
people can say what they want to say, but you know, when we look at it, it, it in indoors and, you know, around our meeting table, we look at it as a positive and, and if people want to have negative thoughts, that's, that's, you know, to each his own. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have uh, had concerns over, you know, the, uh, they thought that moving to USL league two means uh, you don't get to control your IP and like, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, they misinterpret kind of the corporate structure, but that's, that's all not true, right? You're, you're still keeping that and, you know, you're still keeping the general, uh, element of grassroots soccer. So it seems. Yeah, pretty abs- good. yeah, absolutely. I mean, the IP thing, it's tricky. I'm not an attorney, so I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't pretend to be one. Uh, and, and honestly, like the way our internal structure goes, I'm not really the one in a lot of those conversations. It's, it's typically Dan. Um, but you know, from, from what I've heard about it is, you know, if we were say to just pack up and leave the USL mid season, you know, that would never happen, but say it did, then there's that IP control piece. It's kind of that bargaining chip. And it's a reason to, to make teams want to continue to be um, living up to the, the minimum professional standards and, and to be a, a, a member in, in good league standing. So we understand that. And I mean, it's, it's, it's logical, right? You know, you got to, from a league perspective, you got to have something so that teams continue to follow rules and, and, right. and have the best foot forward. But you know, it, that that's really what I, what I hear as, as the, how that, that goes away from our control. I could be somewhat wrong there, but uh, I'm, I'm about 90% sure that that's the case here. Um, but we don't have any plans to default on our decision. So <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. See, I mean, it seems like uh, there, there's no reason to fear Minneapolis city will still be Minneapolis city. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that sounds all good. And going off that a little bit, Minneapolis city for a long time now has become kind of a, a model club in lower league soccer here in America. So do you think that other ambitious clubs in NW in the NPSL in other leagues are going to kind of follow in your footsteps and join you in USL league two or join this model of just treating these different leagues as different competitions? Or do you think that Minneapolis city is a unique case here? I mean, imitations, the, uh, the best form of flattery, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you look at the, the Midwest in particular and the clubs that have, have sprung up since, um, 2016, when, when we launched, there's a lot of similarity in some of the clubs and, and that's awesome because I, I think that the one thing that we do well is, you know, we publish our financials and we, we we're an open book. If you have questions about our club, we'll, whether we answer them publicly or privately, we will share information because it ultimately makes the the landscape stronger because when we started, there wasn't really a script for this. It was kind of like, if you have the money and you have the team, you enter a league and you see what happens. And, you know, we had to do a lot of learning along the way and we continue to learn each year. Um, You know, you you uncover that stone that (laughs) that hasn't been picked up yet and you find out what's underneath it. Um, uh, But we we've tried to create the model and we've shared it with quite a few teams and, and ultimately it started with a conversation with Peter Wilt about like, Hey, what do you, what can you share with us being who you are and being this kind of uh, you know, this barnstormer that, that has helped launch these great franchises. We learned from him. So why not pay it forward? So mm-hmm. I, I hope that what we can do is, is provide a use case for some people who might've been a little bit 
leery about a decision like this and and we can share what we've learned and, and share what we know and and then ultimately you know make not only the the usl2 stronger but also teams looking to enter into the mpsl we haven't had a lot of new teams come into the mpsl north in a while so it, it would be great if, if that happened as well and then ultimately you know if we continue figuring out what we're going to do in the upsl the same there so i don't necessarily look at it as um as uh you know we're we're gonna you know continue to 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 be that that leader in the marketplace i'd love to but ultimately parity is going to even itself out and, and we're all going to be on the same playing field if we all share information well um let's let's move on a little bit to some on the field for next season i guess sure. uh so you know what as, since you're this one of the sporting directors or the sporting director i should say uh what is your expectations competitively next year like what are you expecting to see happen in usl league two uh, I mean, I, I start with MPSL first, uh, hoping to win a fourth title. I don't think that's ever been right, done. Right. Um, so hopefully that. <laughs> but from a USL2 perspective, number one is just, just start out being competitive. Um, if you look at 2016, when we started in the PLA, the Premier League of America, uh, finished finished uh, a disappointing third in our first year, um, and then ultimately finishing a disappointing third in our first year in uh, in the MPSL. So it, hopefully not following that script. <laughs> but but uh, it, it could happen, but I think it's, it's with anything we do, it's that learning opportunity. I, I feel like we can be competitive with the players we have and with the players I'm hoping we can, we can persuade to come back, uh, back home and play. Um, so I think we can be competitive. Do I think that we're going to run away with a league title in our first year? Probably not, but you never know. Could happen. That's why you play the games. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think it's, it's going to be competitive. And, and if we, if we look at it as this kind of, you know, 60 player pool model um, it, that breeds a competitive nature and we've seen it happen with the two teams that we've had um, for the past few seasons. And, and I think it's a, one of the reasons why we were so successful um, in the past couple of years. And I think that we can adopt that success in the USL too, but it might take a little bit of time. As we kind of wrap this up, I just have one final question that I, th I find very important because uh, I, I would like to make sure this continues. So one of my favorite parts of the Minneapolis city uh, game broadcast is that you are one of the commentators <laughs> for it. And you, are, you do a fantastic job. Oh, are, thank you still, you. are you still going to be one of those commentators for and, those game broadcasts? I mean, unless they rip me out of the booth, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Looking I, forward I, to it. I plan on it. Uh, I, I don't make a lot of, uh, a lot of fans up in there. So I'm glad to hear that you, uh, you like what I do. I, <laughs> I, I am unapologetically honest when it comes to soccer. And, and if you could see the the running tech streams of even our own guys, like, why don't you ever say anything good about me? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, well, then just play better. <laughs> you know, that's, that's your answer. Um, so it's good to hear that, that at least one person likes it. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, I love doing it. You know, I love being up there. Eric Norquist, um, you know, who's my, my broadcast yep. partner for, yep. for a, a big portion of it. Just what a luxury for me to be able to, to hang out and talk soccer with a guy who's one of the, a, a radio host for one of the best sports radio um, programming in the country. Um, and, and him up there, you know, my podcast partner, Nate Morales hops in there every now and then we might have a player come in there. It's just super fun. But I will say this um, to anyone out there who might be a, uh, a negative Nelly about that, the broadcast, it's super hard. It is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard things in my life, but it's, it's really difficult to be good at it. 
So when 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 you're when you're watching a game and you're talking about how oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or whatever, um, just remember the preparation that goes into that is is not just throwing a microphone in front of your face. You know, it's it's difficult and uh, but it's a really awesome, fun challenge and and I love it. So I, I'm hoping that the rest of the folks in uh in the club will continue to let me do it. <laughs> well. Thank you for that reassurance. And also thank you for joining us to talk about, you know, this big, exciting move for uh, Minneapolis City. Uh, You know, I know AJ and I are going to be heading up to uh, the Nelly as much as possible to watch some games. Uh, So we're very much looking forward to seeing all these uh, awesome teams that Minneapolis City are going to face off against. And hope for the best. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, definitely want to say, you know, you uh, really, really love what you guys are doing for, for the soccer scene in Minnesota. You know, I, I believe that more soccer coverage is good for everyone. So really appreciate you guys, you know, doing what you do. I know, I know it takes a lot to do this. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys, you know, sticking with uh, what you're doing and, and we really welcome the opportunity for, for, you know, you to have us in your conversations. And if there's anything you need from us or you, you know, you want to talk soccer. I'm, I'm just a phone call away. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, John, again for joining us, Jack. We are continuing with the rest of the show. Uh, first, with some more housekeeping, because we didn't get to do that at the top of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. And uh, yeah, we weren't able to release a Thursday episode because I got sick with a cold and couldn't wasn't able to edit the podcast, but that just means we just have a free episode that we're probably going to release so we don't have to miss uh, another episode again. So, yes, but Jack, we do have an interesting episode coming up. It is the Nations League UEFA Nations League preview. Are you excited about that? Oh, of course, because I'm a French national team fan. So I I, want to see France win a trophy after the failure at the Euros. (laughs) So I'm I'm hoping that we, we can do it. We face Belgium first. So tough, it's going to be tough, but yeah. you know, I, Belgium is, isn't unbeatable. We've done it before, but Very I'm excited true. to preview that on for our Thursday episode. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to not going to be a too long of an episode since it's only four teams, but uh, we say yeah. that every time, but it ends up doing, going a bit long, but we'll, yeah. we'll hope, we'll hope for the best on that. Yeah. Well, in interest of time here in this episode and for us to not go too long here, let's go on to the newsroom. We're going to talk about some big matches, some big off the field news. Let's start off with score lines. We have four big games that we want to talk about here. Very uh, English Premier League focused when we have one non EPL team. But Jack, let's get started with Manchester United versus Aston Villa. Goal scores, well, there's only one. It was Courtney House in the 80th minute. A great redirection of a corner kick. Such a quality header. It was a very class header from the Villa man. But Jack, the most interesting part of this game was not a goal, but in fact a missed goal. Yes. And that was United, who got a penalty in stoppage time, which is very typical. And Fernandez or Penandez. Or maybe not maybe, anymore. Yeah, maybe not Penandez at this point. Uh, he has taken all of United's penalties for the most part up until this point. He steps up and he misses. Jack, what, what are your initial thoughts on that? Because I think we both think it's pretty funny. It, 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 well, it's funny until I looked at my draft fantasy team where I have Bruno Fernandez. Ooh, that sucks. And that was bad because he got me zero points. But um, I think it's I, I think it's interesting because, you know, this is usually something that he excels at like taking penalties 
There's a reason why people call him Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, he, he takes a lot of penalties and he doesn't miss usually. He's only missed two out of the 15 penalty kicks that he's taken in the Premier League. This is one of those two. And in fact, this was the first time in his entire career that he's missed the frame for a penalty kick. Like this is unprecedented completely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's I think what it shows us mostly is Manchester United. They've bought a lot of pieces but they're not quite a unit that can completely finish off games, you know, right. and or maybe it's just an off day for them because that can happen. But, you know, they they didn't have like uh, players who could pro- they, like the defense obviously didn't help. They had two players come off injured in Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire. That didn't help them at all. But, you know, it, it's it, it just shows that they're not able to like kill off games and you know, they, they're, they've done really well on away games, but their home games, they've struggled quite a bit, and this shows. Yeah, the, the best teams are able to bounce back from injuries. The best teams are able to muster out a win. We've seen that with United before with Sir Alex Ferguson and, mm-hmm. you know, Fergie time and all of that stuff. Right. This team is not at that point yet. I have no doubt that they will eventually get to that point where they, they are very cohesive and are able to uh, finish these games off. It was 0-0 until the 88th minute. Maybe instead of 1-0 one way, it was it was going to be 1-0 the other way if this team just had a little bit more discipline. I don't put this all on Fernandez. It sucks that he missed. Right. But uh, one thing I do have to point out is that Emmy Martinez, I don't know if you saw oh, this. Oh, I saw it. I, I think we all saw it. The king of trash talking, really. He, just like uh, Emmy Martinez, goalkeeper for Aston Villa, he did this with Argentina during their uh, penalty shootout at the Copa America, he starts just trash talking the heck out of Bruno. <laughs> he right in front of Bruno's face, he tells Ronaldo, who everyone knows Ronaldo's also good at penalty kicks. He tells Ronaldo to take the penalty instead because he knows that Bruno is going to miss it <laughs> right in front of Bruno. And that was th- that's the amount of like uh, iron balls, steel balls that you need in order to you know, play the mind games with Bruno and get him to miss. So he's just, he's just funny. And then the hip thrust after as well, like when he missed, like that's just ridiculous. Only Emmy Martinez, man. Only Emmy Martinez. He is who David Ochoa wishes he could be. Honestly. Yeah. He's the king of that. Yeah. But of course that's what happened in that game. Bruno, uh, tried to score a field goal. Like it was American football and it ends up being one zero to ask him on the Vikings. Yeah. I think he would be better than, uh, than any of the kickers that the Minnesota Vikings have had. Uh, they're probably going to lose to the Seahawks tonight. We were recording this before that. Uh, I, let's not talk about this. Vikings. I'm going to get sad. <laughs> let's talk about a game that makes me not sad. Brentford versus Liverpool. It was three, three. I'm going to go over the goal scores. Cause this was an, an incredible game. Jack, did you manage to catch this or catch the highlights? I did catch the highlights, and wow, my God, that that was that was a roller coaster. Yeah, before any of the goals, there were two goal line clearances from both sides in the first ten minutes. That really set the tone because in the twenty seventh minute, Ethan Pinnock of Brentford, you know, lots of ball watching on this goal uh, from the the Liverpool defenders, but it was good anticipation from Pinnock. In the 31st minute, you had Diogo Jota of Liverpool, just a great header and a great cross from Robertson to put it level. Uh, Salah, great for my uh, fantasy team, uh, scored in the 54th. Great touch and finish as Salah runs past the Brentford back line. Kind of what you expect from Mo there. 63rd minute, very quick response. Brentford with uh, Je- Genelt, uh scores, 
and Trent Alexander-Arnold gets overloaded by Brentford attackers jumping for a header. Question is, like, where was Matip and Van Dyke? Who knows? They weren't there. They weren't helping uh, Arnold there. Uh, 67th minute, Curtis Jones, Liverpool, uh, gets the, the, the lead there. Great long-distance goal. But in the 82nd minute, uh, Johan Wissa of Brentford scores the equalizer 3-3. to Trent Alexander-Arnold, again, gets overloaded because did not have a lot of defensive cover. A pretty great game, but Jack, question is, like, where... Uh, where was either team's defense uh, more, I guess, surprisingly, where was Liverpool's defense? Yeah, I mean, well, Brentford's style of play, is, they, they played their style oh, of play. Yeah, yeah. They, like, they, they played great, first of all. Yeah. All credit to them. Liverpool did not get to play their style of play, which is what I think hurt them a lot, you know? Yes, they were able to keep possession, but, you know, they they weren't able to, like, defend as nicely because of the Brentford press that dragged their defense every which, which way. And, you know, it, it really helped Brentford. And I, I think the most surprising thing about this is like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people were saying Brentford were going to go down or that they'd survive, but just barely. But they're they're playing up to the level of the, these opposition and doing really well. Uh, so I, I think it's I, I think it it's surprising for Brentford. Very good for them. But it's a shocker for Liverpool because, right. you know. They a lot of Liverpool fans after last season were like, all right, everything's going to be fixed when Van Dyke comes back. And to be fair, it looked like it. It very much looked like it, it would be fine. But uh, it, it, it isn't, you know, they, they, they still haven't completely adapted back to, uh, you know, what they wanted from the 1920 season, you know. Uh, and I think that's going to that that'll be exploited even further by other teams. But. Either way, Liverpool remain unbeaten. They are top of the Premier League right That's now right. by one point. <laughs> uh, but it shows that Liverpool are pretty vulnerable. They can be. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that keeps going throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, Liverpool, especially when you consider that they want to compete in the Champions League, they want to compete in the league, it's going to be very tough for them to find success if a lot of their... Uh, games are going to be, you know, 3-2, 3-3 thrillers. That They won 3-2 against AC Milan this uh, past week. That's not exactly sustainable, so you need to figure out a way to get that Matip and Van Dyke situation, that partnership all sorted out, or else you're going to get, you know, Alexander-Arnold, you know, pulled uh, any which way, and that's not his strength. He can't, you know, be re- reliant on uh, all these defenders to cover for him. Van Dyke can't do that as well. So that back line needs to get fixed. But all credit to Brentford. That was a great game from them. Uh, really exciting for them. Let's go on to a, a non-EPL game. Uh, this is Seattle Sounders versus Club Lyon, the League's Cup final. We have a, a little bit of a, a news story with the League's Cup later on that we're going to talk about. But going over the goal scores, Roldan scored early not early early in the second half for seattle in the 48th minute and then mina uh for club leon 61st minute 81st minute penalty took the lead uh gigi Liotti in the 85th minute made it 3-1 and benazet in the 90th minute pulled it back for uh the seattle sounders to get them a consolation goal as they lost three to two to club leon um obviously it's very disappointing for not just sounders fans but for mls fans who once again sees another MLS team lose in a final 
against a League MX team. I think the only final that we've won against a uh, League MX team that's not like, you know, the all-star game was the Campionas Cup Atlanta United back in 2019. And that was just a one-off Super Cup match. League's Cup, Champions League, it hasn't happened yet. Jack, what does MLS need to do to finally compete with League MX? Well, I think it's a bit misleading to say that this wasn't indicative that they could. Like, Raul Ruiz Diaz, at oh, yeah, the right, very yeah. end, he almost scored to, to like, take it to extra time. So, you know, I, I don't think the gulf is as big as some people think it is. Yes, there's a lot of evidence from the past that says it is large, but I think that MLS is very close to the level. But, but here's the thing, and this thing that I've been saying, it's close, but in order for MLS sides to win... They just have to be perfect at all times. And I tweeted yeah. this, like defense, midfield, attack. If you're not firing perfectly, optimally in all cylinders, like you're going to lose. And Roldan, Rui Diaz, they had their chances, but they weren't perfect. And that's what no. cost them this game because yeah. the margin of error is very small. I mean, that's, that's what they need to do to compete. They need clinical. They need to be clinical. And uh, they're not because, you know, before that penalty... The Sounders defense was doing pretty well. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you even tweeted about that, uh, that like, you know, the defense is doing well. The midfield's creating chances. Yeah. But it, it's just that no one was clinical enough to finish them. And that's weird because Rui Diaz is pretty clinical striker. Right. You know, uh, and Christian Roldan's pretty good uh, as well. So it, it's just it, it, it's just all about that. It, it's about finishing the chances that are put in front of you. If if Seattle had done that, th this could have been like you know, uh, they could have smacked Club Leon really. Yeah. Like, but they they just weren't able to do it, and sometimes that's what happens. But like you said, it, I I think once MLS teams are able to reach like you know the clinical level of like you know uh, like top five European level strikers almost like that clinical rate. But the issue then is if they reach that rate, like say Ricardo Pepe. Then they're immediately subject to like wanting to transfer overseas. So honestly, it is possible that MLS like never reaches the the like uh, the level of like regularly beating Liga MX sides because you know MLS has kind of morphed into an exporting league to to Europe, which isn't necessarily bad. But that also might mean that we have to uh, we we might have to accept so that. Um, it's going to be really, really, really tough to beat Liga MX teams because we have different models. Until MLS increases their salary cap and increases oh, yeah, buying power, that, that is exactly what's going to happen because the, the talent level, import versus export, it, it's hard to balance as it is, right? So teams have to choose between you know, developing academy players, selling them on, buying a bunch of players like there's no real balance that you can get because you don't have the salary cap to build depth you know you could have academy players you can have like the, these top level uh players but then where does that leave your bench you know you don't have a lot of money to spend on your bench and that's what i'm seeing with uh league mx sides when they sub in their players they're subbing in mls starter quality players every single time mls bench players are USL starters. Uh, those are that's the level of play between uh, the, the the gulf of quality between these two teams. It's not at the top because we have great designated players. You can look towards like Rui Diaz, uh, the Roldans for Seattle. All, all these are great players. Lodero, he wasn't playing, but you know what I mean. 
compare that with League MX's best players, you know, it's pretty comparable. But the issue is with that depth. That's like the biggest gulf that I can see. Plus, like you mentioned, the simple fact is like we as a nation are going towards, you know, selling players, buying players is hard. Like we can't get like the very best players necessarily uh, every single time. So it's not like it's it's an automatic win just based on quality. So it's, it's very, very hard. Uh, yes, Seattle messed up, but this is kind of a data point, I think, in a larger trend that tells us that MLS is not spending or is not allowing their teams to spend on players, which continuously leads to dropping finals to Liga MX sides. Jack, do you have anything else to say about uh, this final in particular? I mean, it was a good final. Uh, it was a good mean, final. That, that, that's, that's what I have to say. It was very entertaining all the way throughout. Uh, it gave you everything you really want to see from a final. Except uh, an MLS team winning. Except an MLS yes. team winning. But, you know, besides that, like for a neutral fan who doesn't care about like what league wins, you know, it, it was a pretty exciting one. All right. Well, speaking of the League's Cup, let's talk about some changes to it. Jack, League's Cup uh, is changing in 2023. So not this year, not next year, but the year after that. Because on Tuesday, MLS League MX and CONCACAF announced a joint venture, a larger and more impressive version of the League's Cup. MLS and Liga MX often work together, whether it's the current version of the League's Cup, the Campionas Cup, or this year's All-Star Game between MLS and League MX All-Stars. But this new tournament format is uncharted territory for both sides. From 2023 onward, all 47, yeah, 47 teams from the two leagues will play in a new World Cup-style tournament each year. Both leagues will temporarily pause their domestic regular season for a month in the middle of the summer to play the tournament. The actual format is yet to be announced, but there will be a group stage, and the top three finishers of the tournament will earn spots to the CONCACAF Champions League. Right off rip, Jack, are you pro or against this new League's Cup model? I th- it's tough, but I think maybe pro, just because... And why? Yeah, yeah. One, one of the things is, like, you know, when the League's Cup was announced, people were like, there's no reason for this to actually function, right? Like, what, what does this do? By actually making CCL berths part of winning, you know? And, and a big that, uh, um, money pool, I think, for winning. Yeah, like, I mean, all of those go a long way in getting teams to, to care about this competition and make it important so that these teams will, will put teams forward and, uh, like, that are capable of winning, unlike, you know, some, some other clubs that <laughs> maybe didn't try the, uh, this time around. But... I, I think that it's, it's good. The only concern I have is, are the domestic seasons going to be shortened then? Because, you know, players already have to play a lot of games. So are you going to shorten the season? So, uh, or like, you know, instead of having a 34-game season for MLS, you know, you have like, I, I don't know, a 28-game season or something like that. I, I, I think you have to think about those things for player welfare. Because we saw with the MLS's back tournament, Having a tournament in the middle of it, you know, it, do- it doesn't completely work out for uh, for playing a full season. I mean, plus COVID as well. But right. still, you get the you get the point. There there has to be a trade off it with the domestic competition and the leagues cup if you're going to get this to work properly. Because otherwise, even if there is a CCL berth, then teams won't be able to play their their yep, their exactly. best teams. So, you know, you've got to you've you've got to consider that aspect as well. But on paper. 
and contingent on them changing the domestic calendar, I am pro for this move. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very tough. And I, I like the point that you made because I think that is the biggest con against this this competition right now is the fact that if they put this in, it's going to bloat the calendar so much. I, I, I did the math on this. If a team wants to win every single game, every single competition, that includes uh, the regular season MLS, getting the Supporter Shield, uh, the playoffs, getting the MLS Cup, Open Cup, Champions League, and now this League's Cup, they'll have to play almost 60 games in a calendar year. That's a lot of games for players. Because that's not even including the international tournaments, international breaks that they'll be getting and playing with their national team. Which is why uh, Stephen Fry of the Seattle Sounders said, uh, I don't know how we're adding tournaments on top of other things. Our union will have to discuss some things. Because this is, like you said, huge player welfare issue. Uh, I, I think the most logical answer is that they're not going to necessarily shorten the season. There's going to move back the start dates like maybe mid-february move uh forward the end date to like november december and in which case it turns into basically like a european season just flipped around where they only get like a month and a half off which is better i'm not gonna say better it's the exact opposite of what we're doing now where we have like a four or five month break of no mls to just a couple of weeks like it, it's a lot of soccer that's going to be coming around in this case but I, I guess the pro like you said is that you know it's going to help grow the tournament in terms of stature it's also going to help grow the leagues uh jack do you have any idea uh exactly why mls and league mx are going to want to do this is there any like thing in particular that makes them seem like yeah this seems like a good idea yeah, crossover audience, you know, if you're if you're having regularly Liga MX teams playing against MLS teams, then, you know, fans of each of those leagues are going to cross over and watch the other league and they're going to gain viewership from that and potentially new fans, you know. So uh, and I also think it, uh, MLS has another motive for doing this in that, you know, the only way you can really get better at competing with Liga MX teams is by competing against them. Right. More. So, I mean, that's that's the way you do it. And this is a way to do it. So maybe it's it, it, it helps out MLS in that way as well. Yeah. And you and Don Garber are on the exact same page. He said, quote, MLS is growing steadily. But what can we do to create some rocket fuel to make it bigger? His answer was this partnering with League MX, putting rocket fuel by getting that uh, League MX TV market to watch MLS games. League MX, it also helps them because they get the corporate sponsors and uh, corporate partners that are available in the American market. Uh, so, you know, obviously big money for them. Uh, one of the cons I, I have to say as well, other than like fixture congestion, is just the fact that I'm pretty sure MLS teams are going to host every single game. So is that very like, is that actually like, competitively advantageous for them? Uh, and of course, like I mentioned, without a proper budget, will they able to be able to compete or is it just going to be League MX destroying MLS teams? And then in that case, are people going to look down on MLS? Is that actually going to hurt MLS in the long run instead of like getting more eyeballs, growing the game? It becomes like, oh, well, League MX wins every single time. So what's the point of watching any MLS regular season game? 
Jack, any thoughts on on that at all? Uh, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen with oh, uh, yeah, with MLS sure. getting smashed every week. That would be that would be very depressing to watch, and uh, yeah, that that would probably make me less likely to watch it. Although knowing me being an optimistic fan, I'd probably watch it anyway, even if it even if it ended in like a loss. Ninety nine out of a hundred times, I'd keep watching to find the one out of a hundred. So, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm excited for it as long as they consider player welfare adequately. Yes, I I will also be watching. I just hope it just doesn't take away from the Champions League because that's obviously uh, right. the the top competition at stake here. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to not the lower league lowdown. So we already talked about that. Uh, but very quickly, the U.S. men's national team corner. We're just going to breeze over this because October is coming around the corner, which means that there's going to be an October training camp and an October World Cup qualifying window for the U.S. men's national team. As we all know, they're currently third place with uh, five points from the September window. And we're going to be hoping for uh, uh, some better games. I think overall, the general goal is to get uh, seven or so points every single window. That should be enough to not only get us to qualify, but get us to qualify comfortably. So let's go over some names as we uh, go on to this window. Some names that I think didn't appear in the September window, but will be very good to see in October as we play uh, Jamaica at home, Panama away, and Costa Rica at home. Some pretty tough matches there, except maybe Jamaica. They are pretty poor right now. I'm expecting a win. But maybe Antonio bags a brace. Who knows? Uh, so some names here. Uh, Joe Scally, Bruce Munch and Gladbach fullback, won their player of the month for August. He had a great breakout season so far. He's helped Gladbach get two clean sheets in a row, including against Dortmund. At 18, he's going to be a great right back or left back to see on the national team. Next is Tim Weah, who was injured in September, but I think he could be a game changer in a few weeks. His fitness has been slowly building for the past week or so all culminating in an assist and a one penalty for Lille against Strasbourg. The assist was great. He bullied a defender off the ball and passed it to Jonathan David for the goal. He's definitely put on a few pounds of muscle, and that makes him even more dangerous on the wing, especially when we have uh, players who aren't exactly like that, like Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic. Yunus Musa obviously is another great name. He was also injured, but he's been getting some extended playing time for Valencia, which at 18 years old is a pretty big sign of confidence for him. His ball progression is going to be key and unlocking our front three. I want him to not just be at camp, but potentially start against uh, some of those opponents in that window. Next is Chris Richards. Since moving to Hoffenheim, he's been getting exactly what he desperately needed, what he didn't get at, at Bayern Munich, which was real chances to shine. He's been a starter for the team since he moved and he even got an assist. So nobody should question his ball playing ability. He's ready to be a center back choice for the national team. Whether he starts or not is yet to be seen, but he's a very good player. Uh, John Luca Busio is the next player with Adams out. Potentially, we might need some more midfield cover against. Uh, although Venezia have been playing pretty poorly recently, he as a player has not. He even got a free kick assist in the game against Spezia. His dead ball delivery and his uh, creativity make him a great prospect. Some other names real quick, might not see, might see, depending on what happens. I think those uh, those five names I definitely want to see, but these other names, I wouldn't be mad. Jossie Zardes, he's been scoring goals for Columbus Crew. I mean, what else could you really want? He's on form, and when you're talking about strikers, on form is better than off form, obviously. 
Matthew Hoppy, he's been doing well for Mallorca as his minutes ramp up, even got an assist versus Real Madrid. Whether he's not, he's ready to really make the move up to the national team after just playing a couple of minutes is yet to be seen, but I would love to see him at camp at the very least. Uh, and Jesus Ferreira, he's a great creative threat, 12 goals and assists this season. Uh, and that's six and six uh, goals and assists, 12 and all. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't really argue with that kind of output. Even if we just want to call him to be a body at training camp, I think it's worth keeping him around. I think next uh, U.S. Men's National Team corner, we're going to talk more about the roster itself and what we'd like to see lineup wise. Uh, but that is it. Those are the names I really, really want to see get called up this next week. Jack, let's move on to next week's predictions and last week's predictions. Uh, let us know the scoring system before we move on to uh, the games. Yeah, well, you get 10 points for getting the result correct. You get 20 points for getting the exact scoreline correct and zero points for none of it. And spoiler, there are a lot of that last category. Yep, yep. Jack, our first game was Seattle Sounders versus Club Leon. Obviously, they end up being two to three for Club Leon. This is the League's Cup final. And unfortunately... Jack, you backed Seattle. You backed Seattle, and that's the lesson you should learn. Never back an MLS team in a final. You said it'll two to one. It'll pay off one day. It'll, it'll pay off it'll, one day. Maybe, maybe. Two to one for Seattle. You get zero points. One to two for Club Leon for me. That's what I chose. I get 10 points. Listeners also say Club Leon, 10 points. By the way, if you want to be a part of this, check out our polls on either Monday or Tuesday at Final Third Show, and you could... You know, fill them out. Try to see if you, you're better than Jack, which, uh, spoiler alert, this week, most people were better than Jack. Jack, oh. speaking of you, <laughs> let's move on to your favorite team, Chelsea versus Man City. If you're not winning, hopefully Chelsea are. Walk us through that game. They didn't win uh, is is the answer. I, I woke up at 6.30 to watch that. The first half looked promising. You know, Chelsea dealt with pressure well. But unfortunately... Uh, they couldn't quite clear out a ball in the box that was laid off to Gabriel Jesus. He did have a good turn to finish the chance. Uh, Chelsea, I thought, were going to get level, but they had a goal marked off for offside by a slight margin. Kai Havertz was just offside. He almost scored against Man City again. But uh, either way, you know, it's not over for Chelsea. They might not be invincible, but eh. Still, I still think they're 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 up there and for favorites to win the league. Uh, it finished one to zero for City. I guessed one to zero for Chelsea. Unfortunately, Yikes. that gets me zero points. AJ guessed three to one for for Chelsea. Yikes. That 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 couldn't have been further from the truth. That's a that's a zero. And the listeners also back Chelsea. So at least I know everyone else knows uh, back Chelsea. So zero points for the listeners though on that one. Let's keep the zero train going as we go to NYCFC <laughs> versus New York Red Bulls in MLS. This was a, a double header of sorts. Instead of just predicting one game, we decided to uh, vote for the aggregate of the two games. And the summary is New York is red in the midweek game. Valentin Castellanos scored to put NYCFC up away from home. He now has 13 goals to his name this season. What a player he is. Uh... Studs up challenge from Keaton Parks brought NYCFC down to 10 men. And in the 90 plus 10th minute, Cheneau of NYCFC gets a second yellow card for a handball in a box. A penalty is called and Red Bull striker Klimala converts. The Saturday game saw Omir Fernandez of the New York team in red score and a great defensive showing from Red Bull goalkeeper Carlos Miguel kept three points and a clean sheet 
with the team. Jack, four to one for you. Zero points because you voted for NYCFC to win that. I said four to two. Pretty close uh, to you. Zero points as well. Listener said a draw. It was zero points because it ended up being Red Bull New York getting a two to one aggregate victory over NYCFC. Jack, take us to the North London Derby. Yeah, well, this one did not finish the way uh, we thought was going to happen or anyone thought was going to happen. Arsenal, who have been struggling lately, ended up winning this game 3-1. to one. Goals from Emil Smith-Rowe, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and Bukayo Saka, all in the first half, lifted them to a 3-0 advantage before halftime, where, while Hyunmin Son got a consolation goal for Spurs in the 79th minute. Harry Kane still hasn't scored for Spurs this season in uh, the Premier League. And now Tottenham are on a five-game winless streak after winning their first three. Definitely not on good form for them. Arsenal, now three in three, three wins in three games. Not Very bad good. for them. But overall, you know, I guess to draw, a 1-1 draw. Not quite. Uh, that's zero points. AJ gets to 0-0 zero, zero draw. Uh Definitely not right uh, for zero points. And the listeners said Tottenham would win zero points for them as well. That's what you get for trusting uh, Tottenham on anything. Yes. Uh, Pretty good game from the young core of Arsenal. Uh, Emil Smith, Rowe, Saka all played well. Aubameyang got that goal. Uh, Very exciting stuff from them. If they can build on that, uh, it's yet to be seen. But overall, pretty good North London derby in my mind, especially if you are an Arsenal fan like you know, some people we know are Jack uh, Derbe della Capitale in Syria. Lazio versus Roma ended up being three to two to Lazio. Walk us through uh, what happened and unfortunately what didn't happen in terms of us scoring points. Uh, well, it's a sad day whenever Lazio wins in my yes. eyes. So uh, this results, I mean, you might be happy because an old West Ham fan, uh, fellow got on the scoreboard. Was it Anderson? Lazio. It was Anderson. It yeah, was. You're right. He scored the uh, what ended up being the winning goal in this. But let's start from the beginning. Lazio took the lead early on. Sergei Milinkovic Savic, the Serbian midfielder, scored off of Felipe Anderson assist to make it 1-0. Former Chelsea player Pedro made it 2-0, assisted by Chiro Immobile. And uh, after that, Roger Ibanez scored from a Jer- Jordan Veratel. Uh, assist for Roma to make it two to one in going into the half, but Lazio took the lead. Sixty three minutes in, uh, or kept the lead and made it, and made it better. Uh, Sixty three minutes in, Felipe Anderson scored from a Chiro Immobile assist, and you know we thought that maybe Roma had a chance of coming back when Jordan Veritout won and converted a penalty in the 69th minute, but it just wasn't enough for Roma. Jose Mourinho, I think this is. Uh, it's only his second loss this season. Right. Uh, so Roma stay in fourth place, 12 points, whereas Lazio climb up to sixth place with 11 points. So very interesting for the season. And yeah, quite a game. But was it quite a game for us? No. I guessed a 2 0 <laughs> win for Roma. AJ gets a 3 to 4 win for Roma. All right, all right, not, all right. Not quite. Uh, but listeners also backed Roma on this one. So unfortunately, we'll all take zero points. That's not good for pretty much anyone this week. AJ and the listeners got 10 points Let's each. Go. And I got zero. Again, I need to redeem myself, but I believe the score totals are 
165 for AJ, yes. 145 for the listeners, and 135 for me. So I've got to step it up this week. Hopefully I can do it. Yeah, Jack, you're officially in the wooden spoon position with uh, I'm, the I'm listeners. in the mud right now. I'm in the mud, well and truly. How does it feel like to know less than football Twitter? Football Twitter is better at predicting games than you. I mean... Yeah, it, we'll, we'll prove them wrong eventually. It'll, it'll happen. It, it, we're just cooling down for a little bit. We had to conserve some energy for <laughs> yeah. this week, you know? That's what it is. All right. Well, this is actually the third week in a row that we don't have an out-and-out winner. Uh, three weeks ago, we all tied 40-40-40. Last week, the listeners and I tied, and this week, again, the listeners and I tied. Jack, you are now winless in four since winning the first two weeks. It's uh, been rough, but maybe this next week you'll be able to come back and yeah, exactly. you know, regain some form here. So let's talk a little bit about next week's games. Next week, we have uh, some Champions League games, some MLS games, and some NWSL games. Let's start out with Oil Classico, PSG versus Man City. PSG are likely to get Messi and Marco Verratti back for this match. And both teams are kind of in immaculate form, with PSG 8 for 8 in Liga and City just one point off the top of the Premier League, beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge just this past weekend. Sorry, I had to mention it one more time. <sighs> to me, this comes down to potency and attack. With a healthy MNM, that's uh, Messi, uh, Neymar, and Mbappe, I think PSG have enough to edge out any attack that Man City will have to offer, especially when they are going to be at home in Paris. I'm going to say 2-1 to one for PSG. Unfortunately, I, I, I wish they, they could draw or both of them could somehow lose, but that's just how it's going to work. Jack, are you backing PSG or Man City in this one? I'm also going to back PSG for this one just because uh, in the win over Chelsea, you know, Man City didn't look all that clinical uh, at times. And they're going to need to be uh, clinical because I don't think they're going to get many chances against the pretty solid defense that PSG has. Plus, pretty much everyone on PSG's team has a goal threat to them. Uh, so I, I think that they can take the win on this one. I'm going to say I'm going to say three to two for okay. uh, for PSG on this. Interesting. I, 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 I'm also hoping Messi scores his first goal uh, for PSG because I think that would be the best time to get one. Yes, it, it would. Yeah, he, he has not scored a goal or has he even gotten on the score sheet yet? I don't think so. Nope. Nope, not yet. He's, He's got a yellow card. Yeah, that is true. And he got subbed off early uh, a couple a couple games ago. Wasn't in the, this last game because of an injury. Kind of rough, especially when you consider that Ronaldo uh, has been playing pretty well. Of course, uh, kind of blank this past weekend, but, you know, stuff happens. Uh, let's go on to AC Milan versus Atletico Madrid, another Champions League game. Uh, we don't really talk about these two teams enough in the prediction section, and I don't really know why. They're pretty good. Uh, AC Milan, other than their loss to Liverpool, have been playing pretty well, getting a great result in Allianz Arena away to Juve, getting the job done against sides like Spezia, Venezia, Lazio, and Cagliari. And really, you could look towards Tonali, Brahim Diaz, Theo Hernandez, Frank Kessie, and yes, even Olivier Giroud. They've all contributed pretty well towards uh, their success so far in Serie A. Meanwhile, Atletico Madrid uh, got shut down by Deportivo Alves, of all teams. Not a great look for them. Uh, obviously, Atletico Madrid are still good, still uh, in the top four of La Liga. But I think that this seems like an easy win for AC Milan. They're at home. They're in good form. But Atletico Madrid, I think, will set up more defensively in order to walk away uh, from a road trip with at least a point. 
So I think it's going to be a very uh, defensive-minded game. It's going to be a 1-1 draw uh, between the two teams. Jack, who are you backing? Well, here's the thing. I'm not sure if Atletico Madrid can really set up all that defensively because they're missing arguably their best center back in Stefan Savic, who got, who's still suspended from his direct red card against Chelsea uh, in the Champions League. So uh, I think AC Milan could win this one. I, I think they can do it because they are top of Serie A right now. Atletico Madrid, some bad form. You know, that was Deportivo Olavis's first win of the season. So pretty bad uh, for, for them. I'm going to go with a two to one win for AC Milan. It's kind of going against the odds because they've never beaten Atletico Madrid in the Champions League before. But I'm going to trust uh, it this time, I guess. I don't know why, uh, but, you know, I've got to back my boy Giroud. You, you got to back him. Yeah, I, I also have to add some more evidence for my case, considering that uh, AC Milan play Atalanta a couple days later and Atletico Madrid play Barcelona a couple games later. So I think it's going to be a lot of uh, let's just play not to lose and focus on some important league games. That's the way I see it, though. Uh, Jack, Juve versus Chelsea. I know you're taking Chelsea. I know it's like the fifth game and like fifth week in a row that we predicted a Chelsea game. Chelsea just need to stop playing like these really important big games. Like it's it's crazy how many how many teams that you're playing that are just difficult. But uh, enough of me, you know, gassing Chelsea up too much. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Well, I mean, Juve have kind of found some form recently. I mean, their last two wins were three to two thrillers, which uh, against the likes of Spezia and Sampdoria, which is not really what Juve want to be doing. Uh, but, you know, uh, Chelsea, three wins, one draw, one loss. Uh, I think that I, I think that Chelsea should have enough to, to win this. Plus, you know, Dybala's out with an injury for for Juventus. Artur is out for an injury. I mean, not that at many of Juventus's midfielders are good to begin with, but Chelsea are just missing Mason Mount, and they've got plenty of players who can fill in in the same role. Yep. I, I think that, uh, you know, Chelsea are going to want to get back to winning ways on this. And given that Juventus's defense hasn't been great recently, and Chelsea's defense has been very good, only conceding one goal from open play uh, in, the, in the Premier League this season. I think Chelsea are going to do enough to walk away from this two to one winners. I'm not sure if I'd back a clean sheet on this one, but two to one. All right. Oh man, it's gonna be another week where I uh, I predict Chelsea to do better than you, which is something I always hate doing. But I- I'm saying two to zero for Chelsea because okay, you know, Juve are back to winning ways, except you know, really they're not because it's not really sustainable. They're still defensively problematic, with not a lot of good stuff going forward as a whole against like really good teams. Even their wins are unconvincing, right? So their win against Spezia, it was a, it had to be a come-from-behind win that required 26 shots and Chiesa playing out of his mind. Their win against Sampdoria uh, today, a 3-2 thriller, and both of their past opponents had an XG of less than one, yet Juve considered, conceded twice in both of those games. Really, this is not the type of track record you want if you want to compete, not just in Serie A, but Champions League as well. Meanwhile, Chelsea... They lost the City, yes. Almost lost to Villa this past week, sure. But they're still more comprehensive and have more dependable death pieces like Christensen, Kepa, Saul, Cho, uh, Ziesch. 
you know, they can rely on all these players when, uh, you know, they get tired and they need to sub players in. Juve don't have that because their midfield sucks. They don't have a lot of good options to bring on. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty convincing 2-0 win away from home, which really sets the tone for the rest of the group stage. I always back Chelsea in these in these matches. I I, I hate it. So I, I much. like to, I like to hear okay. it. I like hearing people gas Chelsea up. You know. Well, let's gas up another team that lost terribly this past week: Seattle Sounders versus Colorado Rapids in MLS. Jack, this is a top three in the West showdown in MLS. Who is going to take this, or is it going to be a draw? Yeah, well, it's a top three showdown, but from the recent records, you wouldn't know it because <laughs> Colorado has drawn four straight yeah, games in a row Colorado. against the likes of yep against the likes of Toronto and Vancouver yikes while playing at home might i add uh and then meanwhile the Sounders lost to Rail Salt Lake and lost to the Portland Timbers but they picked up wins against Minnesota uh and Sa- uh Santos Santos yeah uh, uh Seattle are missing a lot of players, or yeah. not a lot of players, but important ones. Like, Jordy Dilem, uh, Nico Lodero, right. Jordan Morris. Uh, but they they are playing at home. Colorado, draw Colorado. You know, I'm gonna go for a one zero win for Seattle. Okay, I, I think I think you know they they want some revenge after getting beaten uh, by uh, by Club Leon. They need to get back to a win, and you know I I think they can do it. The only thing that complicates that is that they're playing three games in a week, whereas Colorado is only playing two. Right. So it's tough, but given Colorado's recent form away from home, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for Seattle. I feel like that's the safer option. That is, that is a good safe option. However, I don't like to play safe, don't I? Colorado no. is a team that we don't talk about enough. Uh, yes, they've been draw Colorado. They've actually... Uh, drawn six of their past 10 games which is not great at all their strategy for team building however is really fascinating getting cheap domestic players to round out their their roster they're actually the fifth lowest spending team in mls and they've relied on smart traits to build a team of proven mls players to moneyball their way to the top of the west i like the players like jack price diego rubio kellen acosta andre ashinashiki and mark anthony k i think they are pretty key for this Colorado attack, and they will be indispensable as they walk into Seattle, which is going to be a very tough match. But I believe, I believe that this is a good team. I think they could squeak out a win, especially with that fatigue factor, as you mentioned. I'm going to go with a one to zero win for Colorado, the exact opposite. Okay. I I just believe so so hard. I also believe in the the next uh, teams that we're going to talk about: Portland Thorns versus OL Rain in nwsl we talk about portland a lot uh in terms of nwsl because they just so happen to be on the top of uh, the league all the time and it's an nwsl cascadia cup so not only is it top teams going against each other it's also a rivalry match this matchup has been leaning towards rain for the past couple games they've won two to one uh in both their matchups recently in this past season uh but if portland win this I really think that the first seed in the NWSL is effectively theirs. Well, Rain win, and it goes on. That battle continues. But the Thorns have come out deflated against Chicago this past week. I don't know how uh, the Ola Rain are going to do against uh, Orlando, because I know we're recording this before this. But they haven't, they've lost just one match in the past eight. 
So they've been pretty good. So I think when you look at momentum and how uh, Old Rain have done against the Thorns this past season, I see this as a pretty dicey yet uh, important Rain victory. I'm going to go with a 2-1 to one win for OL Rain away from home. I'll say Rapino gets a goal. I don't know who else is going to score, but I just have a feeling that she's going to score. Jack, who do you think is going to win this uh, matchup? Yeah, well... I, I'm, I'm looking at these teams, and Portland, not on the best of form. You know, two losses in their past in their past five. Seattle, uh, OL Reign are almost perfect in their last five. They've just had one draw, which is not too bad. I think, you know, it's, it's tough because it's in Providence Park, right? So it's going to be a tough place to play. But I'm going to back the Reign as well, I think. Okay. I, I think they, they want this win a lot more. And like you said, the the rivalry has favored them recently. I'm gonna go for a three to one win. Oh wow! Over I, I I was thinking three to two, but I'm I'm gonna go for a bold three to one victory for the rain. All right, all right, good stuff, good stuff, Jack. That is it for our next week's predictions, listeners. As always, if you want to be a part of this, at Final Third Show on Twitter, fill out our Twitter polls that we post every Monday or Tuesday. And see if you can beat Jack for uh, like what a third week in a row. Nah, please don't do it. Don't 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 do that. I, I'm gonna win. It's fine. Yeah. Well, Jack, how how do you feel about your predictions? I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, it it should be, it'll be fine. I mean, we agreed on a lot of things, so uh, odds are that if I do badly, you'll also do badly. So. There, there is that small ounce of comfort. Well, I'm praying that Atletico Madrid and Colorado Rapids show up to play because that's going to be me contingent uh, on winning. So, yeah. Jack, that is it. Thank you for joining me, as always, for co-hosting this episode of The Final Third. Thank you again for John for joining us at the beginning of the episode. Always great talking to people from Minneapolis City. Uh, Jack, where can people find us on the social medias? Well, they can find us at Final Third Show on Twitter. You can participate in the predictions games. You can read up on how we're feeling about different games during the week. You can, uh, uh, you know, as Juventus lose to Chelsea or I, I don't know who West Ham play this next week. But when West Ham inevitably win, uh, I'm, I'm gassing up West Ham for you there. You're welcome. We're playing but, Rapid uh, Wien and then Brentford. Uh, this next there, you, there you go. When West Ham win both of those games, you can see AJ go absolutely crazy, uh, screaming, come on, you irons or something yeah. like that, you know, uh, but check it out. Uh, give us a follow and make, make sure to participate in the prediction game. Yeah, of course. Also, don't forget to participate in, I don't know, giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we read out any five star reviews that we get there. Uh, also, give us a follow on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whatever podcast platform is coming out. I feel like there's a million at this point. Uh, always well appreciated. As always, tell a friend that you enjoy the show. Always helps to grow the show. Uh, tell your dad, even. I'm sure he would love to hear about the great things that Minneapolis City are doing. We'll see you guys this Thursday for a, a UEFA Nations League-centric deep dive episode. And we'll see you guys this up coming Monday, same time, same place. Talk more news and predictions. All right. See ya. Bye for now. <laughs>